The Holy Gospel according to John, the sixth chapter. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Beloved of God, grace to you and peace from God our Creator and from our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You can't please everyone, the old saying goes, but I think in Jesus' case, at least in this story, he couldn't please anyone. We've been reading through this sixth chapter of John's Gospel now for three weeks. And the chapter, you might remember, starts in this glorious place on a hillside by a lake where Jesus feeds thousands of hungry people with a few loaves and a couple of fish. It was an ordinary day that was transformed by the spectacular abundance and care of God. Now, you would think that this miraculous event would inspire a sense of deep satisfaction and unity among all who had been fed. But as the story continues, we see that this was not what happened. The crowd around Jesus responded to this event in wildly different ways. Some were offended that this seemingly ordinary man was claiming divine power. Who did he think he was, they grumbled, referring to himself as the bread sent down from heaven. He's the son of a carpenter and a peasant girl from Palestine. What gives him the authority to speak as if he were the new Moses or the new Elijah? There were those who felt that he was just getting too big for his britches. Then there were those who thought Jesus wasn't acting big enough. They had witnessed his miraculous power. They'd eaten their share of bread. And they wanted Jesus to keep it coming. Do it again, they clamored. Give us another sign so that we will know that you are at least as great as our ancestor Moses. Now, Jesus had just fed thousands of people and had walked across the lake on the water. You wonder what it would have taken to satisfy their craving for miracles. To one group of people, Jesus asserted too much authority, to the other not enough. 
One group wanted to silence him. The other wanted to crown him king. I can feel the tension rising in this part of John's gospel, just as it was rising in the community out of which this gospel came. People were lining up on sides. The stakes were high. What one thought about Jesus was becoming a very big deal. It's interesting to watch Jesus navigate these expectations and demands. He didn't placate or equivocate. He was not willing to be silent. In fact, as we continue reading this chapter the next couple weeks, we will see him grow more vivid and provocative in his speech. And he wasn't willing to up his output of miracles like some divine vending machine. In the face of growing tension, Jesus remained clear about his identity and purpose. He refused to be anything other than who he is, the living presence of God sent to bring life and light to the world. What is irresistible to me about Jesus is how in the midst of swirling controversy about his origins, his identity, and his authority, he just goes about his business. He keeps caring for people and opening them to the presence and power of God. He does this not only through miracles, but through drawing people's eyes, drawing our eyes to ordinary things. He describes himself as bread. What could be more ordinary than bread? Yet it has the ability to nourish and sustain. He describes himself as living water, quenching our deepest thirst, and as a good shepherd who leads us and guides us to all we need for abundant life. Jesus describes himself as the vine, through which the abiding love of God flows into us so that we may bear fruit. These are all such ordinary images, and yet they remind us that it is not through miracles or proper doctrine that most of us come to know God. It is in the ordinary people and events in which God is living and active, drawing us together drawing us into the life that God desires for us, that God provides for us in Christ. I don't think Jesus multiplied the loaves and fish because he wanted to impress people or offend people. I think he wanted to reveal how the extraordinary grace of God dwells in that which is ordinary. A picnic lunch, people's willingness to share, and all had enough. All were blessed. This is how it is with God's grace. It crawls into those ordinary places and makes them holy. This past week, this building was rocking with Vacation Bible School. I think we had over 100 kids. I don't know where Celeste is, but um, yeah, some, somewhere, I think, over 100 kids. And all week, we spent all week in the story of Daniel. Now, typically in VBS, you switch stories every day, but we spent all week learning about Daniel and how God was with Daniel in all the circumstances of his life. 
And of course, there were the famous Daniel stories, the fiery furnace and the lion's den. But every day we had a different Bible point. And the Bible point was always about how God is with us. God is with us when things change. God is with us when we need help. God is with us when we are afraid. God is with us when we are lonely. And God is with us when we are thankful. And it was a great little piece of the curriculum. The kids were asked to be on the lookout all day for God's sightings. So whenever they saw people helping each other or comforting each other or sharing or expressing gratitude, they were to identify this as a God sighting. I really, for, for some kids, this was a very new concept, and I'm not sure that our four-year-olds ever necessarily got it. But, but maybe they might, have, they might have gotten it more than all of us. But it was a way to, let, to remind us that it's not just being rescued from a furnace or a lion in which God is present, but that God is present in just the ordinary spaces of our days, and that we, no matter how young or old we are, can bear God's grace to one another. This might be what the writer of Ephesians was getting at in that little passage that Carolyn read for us, that list of new life in Christ seems so ordinary, doesn't it? Tell the truth, share with the needy, don't steal from each other, be kind and tender-hearted. It's kind of ordinary stuff, but it's a reminder that it's in our relationships with each other that God dwells in our friendships, and our partnerships, and our marriages, in our work relationships, these become a means of God's grace, a way that God is present to bring light and life to the world every day. So whatever you bring to this place today, whatever expectations or frustrations or demands you have for God, if you are in search of a miracle, or if you have a doubts about the whole religion thing, hear this promise. Christ is here for you. He meets you in the welcome you receive, in the songs and in the prayers, in the exchange of peace. Christ meets you in the ordinary bread and wine of communion, transforming an unimpressive snack into a meal of abundant grace. Christ dwells with you every day, not because of your sound doctrine or your righteous life, not because you picked the correct theological team to be on or have God all figured out. Christ dwells with you because he loves you and because he refuses to be anything except the living presence of God for you, sharing divine light, and life with you for the sake of the whole world. Thanks be to God. Amen. We sing together, and if you have a prayer card, just hold that up and the ushers will take it from you.